welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show as we get closer and closer to the start of the season because this week is week one of testing. Most of the car reveals have happened. We're not going to talk a whole lot about them because quite honestly, with the exception of, oh, well, from what we've seen, with the exception of Alpha Tori, nobody's really doing anything all that different. Well, yeah, and the only reason Alpha Tori is doing anything different is because it's a different name. Yeah, well, it it is a very different livery from what we have seen from the team. You know, only they, because it's not the marketing uh, floor dregs of the Red Bull team. Well, that that's the thing. I mean. <laughs> In, in, in the past, you know, when we first started watching, it was really kind of hard to tell the difference between a Toro Rosso and a Red Bull. You mm-hmm. had to look for, like, the green or, or the gold tips on the the uh, nose. And then they went and moved to silver and blue, which, much different, mm-hmm. b- pretty good. Now they're black and white. Right. Because, you know, everybody's black, black and, and white. white or silver. But, you know, white makes you go faster. Depends on which stickers you have. Well, it does depend on the stickers, <laughs> but white is supposed to make you go faster. That was Ferrari's big statement. What was that? Five years ago. Still haven't won a championship with the white. Hmm. Yeah. So let, let's we'll talk not much, but we'll talk probably a little more about the cars in a bit. First, apparently Ross Braun got concerned from your comments last week. I told you I have his ear. Not so much that he's addressing any of it, <laughs> but he's talking more. Well, see. So apparently he's decided instead of saying that one thing that ticked you off, he's going to say some other things and see if maybe they one of those off. don't tick you off. I don't know. <clears throat> Do you even remember what he said that ticked me off, or are you just referring to it as that one thing? Um, It was about the rule changes and that he thought that the teams would turn around if they found the one trick thing that was going to turn around and make them run away with the points or whatever and nobody else was going to figure it out that they were going to report it instead of actually using it correct because the teams (laughs) don't you know because they have such a history of sharing yeah yeah um no um yeah so obviously ross is a fan um I'm glad to hear that he is a fan of our show. I'm a little concerned about what his next innovative idea to solve Formula One will be. I, I don't know if this is an innovative idea to solve Formula One, but it's an observation. And when you hear it, it makes sense. So last year, we didn't talk too much about it because it was kind of a, a puff piece. But last year... Formula One released their commitment to being more environmentally friendly and ultimately trying to offset their 256,551-ton carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. And that they want to do this by uh, 2030 is they want to try and offset this. So they're trying to come up with some realistic targets as to how they can make this happen and what they can do. And Ross says that there's a couple of different areas that they're looking at. Um, So one of the things he's saying is that they're looking at transportation and all of the equipment that Formula One uses. Because the reality is there are a total of 315 trucks that are used 
by the teams, Pirelli, F1, and the FIA just at the European races. Mm. And then you add on top of that the support series. That's another 60 trucks. Wow. So there's a lot there. And there's a lot of stuff that they're trying to transport around. And there, there's a, a lot of things that they need to move. So what Ross says is that at the moment, they're looking at alternative forms of transport. And they're finding that the train is actually a very efficient way of moving stuff around. At least the very, you know, they can put it on the train and get it closer. Mm-hmm. Since I don't think anybody's got a railhead that's at a track. <laughs> but at least they can get it closer. And the other thing he says is sea freight is also a very efficient way of moving things around in terms of the impact it has. So we're looking at all the logistics and see how we can minimize our impact. Then there is motorhomes. This is could be a little controversial for some teams. Mm. But his logic here makes sense. Then there are motorhomes. We all go to a Grand Prix, and for nine races of the year, we have motorhomes carted around by a large fleet of trucks that give the teams the facilities they need. For the other 15 races, they're quite happy to use whatever's there when they turn up on Thursday. We go to overseas races, for example. We go to Baku, and you have a nice set of prefabs all laid out for you. Nobody complains, and it's all workable. Then we go to Monza, and we have our gin palaces with all the trucks that are needed to transport them. So in the future, we want to move to a motor home or hospitality facility, which could be put up with far less impact in terms of logistics and transportation than we have now. Okay. And I think, well, yes, the the motor homes are very impressive. Every picture we have seen of these motor homes, they are stunning. And I don't even know if you could necessarily call them a motor home. Well, they're not <clears throat> motorhomes in the traditional sense. And, like, one of them is three stories high. Not one of them. <laughs> Several of them. Yes. You know, let's remember, Red Bull builds one on a barge just for Monaco. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's insane. And I think there's, like, a motorhome war going on. Of, you know, how much better can my motorhome be than your motorhome? I think to some extent there is, but not as much as you think. Because... The teams, I mean, yeah, we get glimpses of, of these motorhomes in the inside, but the teams don't talk a whole lot about it. And I would think if there's a war, they'd be bragging about it a lot more. No, no, no. I think it's like <clears throat> amongst, it's like something that they can't really explain in the press, but it comes across every so often. Well, I'm in the Red Bull motorhome that's three well, stories yeah, there tall. there is. There's, uh, there's that. Yeah. Who can they invite and how impressive can they make it? So we'll see if that changes. I mean, he makes a good point. Makes a very good point. Nine races just to haul these things out. Kind of silly. Well, yes, I agree with you there. I also can tell you that like everybody's uh, corporate report the last year was on sustainability. Well, yeah, the that's the number one goal. Right I mean, it's, it's like buzzword bingo. Um, and... For a sport that gets a lot of flack for the amount of waste, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, I mean they don't recycle the parts. They don't no, hand they them. Don't. They don't hand them down to the junior series when they're done with them. Well, I mean, all of the tires, the tires that get, just the, the, tires the tires alone line. that that get carted to a race, and whether they are used or not, get destroyed at the end. And we've talked about how this is supposedly. 
a bit more environmentally friendly, the process that they have. But still, whether the tires get used or not, including the wet weather tires that they may only use twice a year total, it's a new set of tires that are brought to every single race and they're destroyed immediately afterwards. Which, I mean, to me, intermediates and wets alone, like that is unconscionable. They make 22 sets of wets per, you know, and it's more than one set of wets per driver. But think about it that way. They have to have 22 sets of wets, one for every race, and I assure you, it has not rained ever at some of these tracks. Well, if they turned around and they had just made enough to get through half the tracks, mm-hmm. or they turned around and they said, you know what, we have targets that, and based on where we are in this, because, yeah, there's a fairly long lead time to manufacture these tires. But if they turned around and they said, okay, we've got five more races left in the season and we've only used the wet tires twice maybe they don't need to make any more wet tires right it's like the it's like the ice uh storage facilities not the ice storage facilities the salt storage facilities yeah and those of us that live in northern climes you know they have a a salt budget every year the cities Mm -hmm. all have their salt budgets every year and based on how snowy the winter is, is whether or not they're going to spend that whole salt budget for the following year. Because mm-hmm. you got to buy it a year in advance. It's that concept. It, I, I find just on those tires, intermediates and wets alone, it's unconscionable to me that those get destroyed at every race. I'm almost okay with unused tires of the other compounds because there's some tweaks and things that happen. Yeah. But I'm I'm less okay. I'm not okay at all with the wets and intermediates. The other thing to think about is when they do this destruction of the tire thing, there are those tires are handmade. Mm-hmm. Could there be any efficiencies in that? Well, there's also if you think about it, when a team does a filming day or a media day or something like that. They still fit tires to those cars. Why not instead of destroying the, and and they typically they'll, they'll run a media day on or, or a filming day on a wet tire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing when they're doing the, the shakedown days. They they may use an intermediate or a wet tire. They won't use a slick for that because they have to be at faster speeds. Why not use these older tires for those events? Exactly. At least the 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 intermediates and the wets. There you go, Ross. Sustainability. We'll help you there. Yeah. So, other thing that Ross was talking about is Zandvoort. Ah, yes, Zandvoort. Because, you know, there's been a lot of questions and there's been a lot of concerns about the banking. Mostly from you. No, not just from me. <laughs> he, he's hearing it from a lot of folks. And, and what Ross has said, he's commenting on this now. He says the banking is going to be very exciting. Very exciting. Well, He's, yeah, as they slide down the banking and run into each other, it should be fabulous. I, I No, I don't think that that's going to happen. <laughs> now, he does say that he has seen some comments about the problems that they had at Indianapolis. So remember, 2005, Indianapolis, the banking in there, two tire series. You had the Michelin, you had the Bridgestones. And the, I think it was the Michelin cars? Bridgestone. The Bridgestone Bridgestones cars. Bridgestones pulled out, I think. <clears throat> 
one of the two pulled out because of the tires the tires and the suspension on the braking on the banking rather were braking and causing accidents so they didn't run the race so he says you know i've seen some comments the problems about the problems we had in indianapolis banking was involved there but the problem was a bit more fundamental than that he says so i don't anticipate any issues with the banking at zanvoort pirelli have done all the simulations we are a one make tire formula so there's scope to run different tire pressures if we need to and we have any issues but we don't expect any issues all the numbers don't ind indicate any problems so i think it will be a really exciting track michelin drivers retired michelin. I had yeah. to open the perfect book of everything Formula One. So all we know is that teams are likely going to be running higher tire pressures, which the teams hate. Yeah. Well, Zanford's going to be a giant unknown. <clears throat> Remember, they're not even releasing all the details on the banking because they want people to learn it on the fly. And honestly, if you think about it, you know, we were talking that the teams only get one year and then at that point, they'll, they'll understand how it's going to work. But actually, if Zanvoort keeps holding the data, 2021 is going to be an interesting year for them too. Because remember, the tire sizes change and the suspension has to change along with it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they'll have a little bit more data. But then they're going to change other factors that will greatly affect yep. what they've got. They're probably two to three years before they're going to figure this one out. Yeah. Unless it's one of those, it's easily solved and everybody's worrying about nothing. There's because that, that, that has been known to happen sometimes in Formula One. Much ado about nothing, as Shakespeare would say. Yeah. So in other track news, uh, Albert Park. That's in Melbourne, Australia. It is. See, I know that. Congratulations. Opening race of the season. Like a month, a month away. away. How awesome is that? However, after and, and we'll get more news about this um, as we get closer to the race weekend. So apparently, the since the track was first opened and put in place in Albert Park back in 1996, there have been really no changes to the track, and the track hasn't even been repaved track hasn't so, been paved it has not been repaved wow so they are now at a point where they're like yeah we got to do something it, it, it's getting there as part of that there they need to make the decisions will that happen um between 2020 and 2021 or will it happen 2022 now they also have to be mindful because albert park is a very active park mm-hmm it is a very big, various uh, sporting venues there. I think the Australian Tennis Open is held at Albert Park. Oh, okay. Um, but there, there's a lot of big sports venues for the Australians down there. And whatever they do, they've got to be mindful of the lake's not going away. The size and shape of the lake is not going away. The buildings that are there for all of the other sporting activities that happen in Albert Park through the year, they're not going away either. So they have to repave the track. And they're also talking that, you know, this is a good opportunity since the cars have changed since 1996. 
maybe we look at between the makeup of the pavement because that can impact tire life and tire wear but possibly reprofiling some of these curves mm. maybe well you know what they should do mm-hmm. they should call words they should they should totally call him and see what he says i would much rather they did that than go into herman tilton that i would agree um hey ross <laughs> since you're listening call call alex call him I think that he would welcome your phone call. And Alex, by the way, no need for the referral for this one. Uh, are you sure? Yeah, th- this one, this one we're going to give him. And we'll, we're starting a partnership, right? Yeah. yeah. We're establishing the partnership to get him more tracks to design exactly. and become sustainable. The, the, this is to add to the his resume for designing the Formula One tracks. I mean, all he'd need to do is you know announce that he got the b and b bump b cubed yeah that'll do it so what they're talking about is maybe they look at widening some areas adjusting the camber on the terms some of the other areas they're not going to put in banking they've made it clear (laughs) it's just some camber on the terms they're on the turns not putting in banking okay but because the cars have changed they've gotten wider they're running it at different speeds than what they used to, and the downforce levels are so much different. They're looking at some potential ways that they could mix things up a little bit. And the repaving job is the perfect time to, to look at this. That's awesome. So we'll see what happens. Um, if you have not heard, and as we mentioned, was likely coming last week, we have gotten confirmation that the Chinese Grand Prix for 2020 is being postponed due to health concerns. Now, as of right now, it is not canceled. The intention is just to postpone it. Formula One, um, Chase Carey in particular, has said it's going to be challenging to find a new date. Uh, but what they're actually talking about doing, and again, it's going to depend on, on the situation in China, is to look to have it in November and possibly shift the date of Abu Dhabi. Oh. I'm assuming they would push it later. Because I think Abu Dhabi is contractually got to be the last race. It is right now. Um, that was in their last agreement that they took that away from Brazil. Dare they? Well, Brazil makes better races, but But whatever. also better muggings. Ouch. Hey, you know, no one is safe from my zingers. That, but it's probably better parties in Abu Dhabi, which is why they, they go there. I bet there are better parties in Abu Dhabi. So um, we don't have any official word as to when it's going to happen. But right now, this is not a cancellation. This is just a postponement. We'll see what happens. Um, The last time something like this happened was Bahrain. What year was that Bahrain was canceled? I think about... 10 years ago 15 years ago that was due to civil unrest Mm. that they canceled the race in in Bahrain that's a really good reason to cancel a race by the way yeah just saying Uh, yeah if you needed good reasons that that would be Bernie really didn't have a choice in that one and previous years when the civil unrest didn't calm down he deliberately did not cancel the race Mm -hmm. 
So heading towards some of the, the uh, car reveals that happened this week. And, and the reason why I'm putting this in now is because as part of his comments during the McLaren car reveal, Zach Brown mentioned that, yeah, he understands that, that China is being postponed, but McLaren is still looking at the situation in the region and still has concerns. Because while China has been postponed, um, also supposed to be happening in April is the Vietnamese Grand Prix. Oh. And as Zach puts it, he is not willing to put his staff in a, quote, uncomfortable situation as they now look to Vietnam because it turns out that just this past Thursday, Vietnamese officials quarantined villages 25 miles outside of Hanoi for the next 20 days due to coronavirus. Mm. So that's the next question is, is Vietnam at risk now too? Wow. Yeah. And I think this is something that is probably going to be an issue throughout the year and probably not just in Southeast Asia. I think if things do not calm down, we're going to start hearing more attention being made about these teams traveling and where they've got to travel to and what the medical situation is in the area. Because I could see teams and drivers starting to push back. I could definitely. I mean, the truth is missing one race could cost you 25 points. Mm -hmm. But if you got sick, you could be out multiple races. Mm -hmm. And the risk of stepping, you know, you could see drivers stepping out of races strictly because the risk reward benefit well, well, is too Well, that's high. it. You, you end up with drivers who are going to turn around and refuse to run in races because it's not going to be safe to travel there. And you're going to have mechanics and engineers and other personnel who are, they're not going to appreciate being put at risk, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the issue we're looking at if things get worse in Vietnam. Well, and I think that there's got to be some perspective for what this virus is and its spread. And because while, yes, it's devastating and while, yes, there's been uh, several, several, a lot of deaths regarding it, it's still not hitting epidemic status. It's not. But, you know, what you're looking at here is you're looking at taking... 30 40 50 or in a case of you know somewhere like austin a hundred plus thousand people and having them in close proximity to each other and if one of those folks is sick yes you could work your way mm -hmm. through a, a a pandemic pretty easily mm -hmm. and i get that is the concern but you know we did get through sars we're gonna yeah. get through this I just don't know how long it's going to take for people to start feeling like it's under control. That's the that's the big thing is it, it's got to feel like it's under control and this is being contained. And right now it doesn't. Right. And so. the containment methodologies don't necessarily seem like they're doing a whole lot and possibly are just mobile prisons at this point. Depending on it, we won't get too deep into that. Um, other than that, from the McLaren reveal, 
Yes. Not a whole lot. I mean, the only thing I noticed was dark traces on the the rear fin. They're a cybersecurity company, and Husky Chocolate is not on the car anymore. Okay. Yeah, I mean, y- you look at it and you're like, yep, it's it's a McLaren. It's well, it's papaya. McLaren. Yeah, it's papaya with blue, just like the IndyCar. Yes. Um, Mercedes also had the reveal of their car before it actually, the official reveal. Yeah, uh, they're, every one of these teams this is was, doing spoilers this year. It, this was really weird as, as, as to how this came out. So they were the car was scheduled to be revealed on what, Valentine's Day? Yes, Mercedes was running Valentine's Day. Uh, but the start of the week, on, on Monday, they had a big press event because they have a new sponsor. Uh, Ineos, which is a chemical manufacturer, word is that this deal, they are a principal sponsor as opposed to a title sponsor like Petronas. But word is that the reason why they are a principal sponsor is because the deal is bringing in as much, if not more money than the Petronas deal for the title sponsorship. Wow. This is a big spot. And, and for that, they have a red area over the in, for the air intake. Yeah, I was the, wondering the about that red area. Yeah, that that that's what that is. Wow. But there's red on their car yes. and it's always been the silver era. And so Mercedes was having a really good time over the fact that there's red on the car. It'll make it go faster. Yeah. Um but so yeah, they did their reveal on Monday so that they didn't have to ruin Valentine's Day with their actual reveal. I think Susie called Toto and said, dude. It's Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, but Toto also said at the event on Monday, not at the reveal later in the week, um, but he also worked to play down the possibility that Mercedes could be leaving the sport. Mm-hmm. So what Toto had to say is, like always, we are in this for the long term. F1 provides a great marketing platform for our brand. This is what we do. We build race cars and we build road cars. F1 is a halo platform for hybrid engineering. That is something that is not communicated enough because it was talked down at the beginning of the V6 hybrid era. And it's something we should really put more emphasis on. In that respect, with all the things that are out in the media, we like the platform. But at the same time, we're in negotiation with the rights holders and things need to be sorted out. But the partnership is clearly something that indicates our wish to continue our successful journey in F1. So he is saying we are n- not planning on leaving if the negotiations go our way. Okay. So we'll see. Um, Didn't Toto also sit on tires? He did. I thought I remembered him sitting on there, tires. There was, as part of the reveal last Monday, a picture came out of Toto Wolf and the CEO of Ineos. Sitting on tires. In tuxedos. See? Sitting uncomfortably on tires. (laughs) In In tuxedos. tuxedos. (laughs) So last year, one of the things that that Mercedes did is they entered Formula E. Correct. Um, According to Andy Cowell, the head of Mercedes High Performance Powertrains, um, it was a little painful at first. It was a bit of a strain on the two programs, the, the Formula E program, because they were drawing on a lot of resources uh, from the Formula E side. They were struggling with it. Um, they figured it out. 
Okay. He says that now there is um, good knowledge transfer between both organizations. Both organizations are capitalizing on developments that the other side is doing. Um, so the Formula E team, and I don't know how much is out of high-performance powertrains, but high-performance powertrains is at Bricksworth, which is where the Formula One engines are manufactured as well. Okay. So probably the hybrid systems and the electrical systems, they're, they're, they're working. But he says that it's a good partnership and they're, they're not straining each other now. Okay. Just so you know. Speaking of the engines, we have a little more info about what Mercedes is doing to make the engine better this year. Um, what we have been told is that the main focus performance-wise for these engines, uh, for Mercedes at least, has been on the cooling. So if you remember last year, that any time we had a race that was hot, that the mm-hmm. temp, cooling was a problem on the Mercedes cars. Correct. So according to Andy Cowell over at High Performance Powertrains, they knew what the problem was. They knew what the fix for the problem was last year, but they couldn't put it in place during the season. Ah. Because there was enough that was already locked in with the design of the car and the design of the engine that trying to retrofit that into the car wasn't going to work last year. So they were doing, you know, cutting holes in the skin and punching other, you know. (laughs) Makeshift solutions. Yeah, various makeshift solutions. Going into the design of the 2020 car, because they knew that they had an engine that they wanted to be able to run hotter, they were able to design what they needed to into both the radiator area of the car um, and into the aerodynamics of the car to make it run better. So in theory, that will not be a weakness for them this year. That would be interesting to see. We probably won't know one way or the other until at least Bahrain. Yeah. If not later in the season. We shall see. Um, were you were you missing the flying waffle? You know I always miss the flying waffle. Now, you know, I, I should, stop. I, I, I should look it up because I don't know how he's been doing in Formula E. Um, however, Stoffel, the flying waffle Van Dorn, has been named the reserve driver for Mercedes. So the position was open because Esteban Ocon had it. But obviously, Renault's not going to let Esteban continue in that role. So they <laughs> needed somebody else, and they went to Stoffel. Nice. Nice. So, I don't know if we'll actually see Stoffel driving i mean somebody's gonna have to get really sick but hey i mean yeah there's there's a virus going around yeah i mean he has filled in in that role before and he's done rather well i mean he did it for fernando his his first point in his first race where fernando couldn't get points stoffel got points. well there's that there's that you know maybe that's the solution for uh china and vietnam Reserve drivers? Yes. A whole grid of reserve drivers. Wow. Maybe instead of calling them reserve drivers, they should be called the expendable drivers. What? We're going to give them all red shirts. What are you thinking? Ouch. (laughs) Ooh. You're saying no, huh? (laughs) I I, I think that, I mean, young driver testing. I mean, yeah. See? Uh-huh. It's like the Hunger Games, but completely different. Yeah. 
So Cyril Dipple talking about the future of Reno. <laughs> okay. Um, Cyril says that the future of the team appears to be much safer now. And it's more likely that the team will be remaining in Formula One. So recently a new uh, CEO was named for the Renault team. So um, Clotilde, Dubois, Del- Clotilde Delbos is the current acting CEO. Okay. Um, she's been taking a fairly detailed look at, at the books over at Renault and um, knowing that the team was costing them a metric ton of money, there was some concern about the future. Now, it also didn't help that apparently, I think it was, was it last quarter or, or the annual for the year, um, was the first time that Renault had posted a loss in a very, very, very long time. Wow. Um, however, a new CEO, a permanent CEO, has been named. He'll be starting in July, and I don't have his name. However, Clotu will be remaining in the organization. Apparently, she's the CFO, which is part of the reason why she was looking at the books. Mm-hmm. But she'll also be the deputy CEO. And apparently, she has given, um, given Cyril indications that the team is secure, that they they view a significant amount of value in the promotions that the team does and the promotion that it gives the brand itself, and they're happy with it. Okay. So that's what we hear. Now, just spoilers, I just want to confirm, you were not named as the CEO starting in July uh, for I, Renault, were you? No, I, I did not send in an application for Okay, I just wanted to double check because, you know, no, after the last move, uh, you know, we, we don't need to be moving again. Well, you, you don't think I could have set up a deal like uh, like Sean Bratches? Where we would stay here and you'd go live in France? Back no. and f- fly back and forth. Uh, no. Oh, you Do you want to know why you couldn't set that deal up? Why? Because I wouldn't agree to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's Luca de Mayo. Oh, so not Luca Domin, <laughs> not Dominica or, or uh, Luca Domanizemolo. Yeah, who you're thinking of? No, it is not. It's Luca De Mayo. Just minor name change. Where there is still some concern over Reno, though, is Daniel Ricardo. I would be worried about Daniel too. Yeah. So Daniel's contract is up at the end of this year. Yes. And obviously, Daniel wants to be in a winning car at a winning team that would be nice and cyril says that based on their projections that ain't happening next year either um they are seeing that they're probably going to be in that fourth fifth range again and he does not believe and he's probably right that based on performance alone that's not going to be enough to keep Daniel. So they've got to come up with something. And, and I think they so, do want to keep Daniel. They've got to come up with something else that's going to make him want to stay with the team. Okay. So because we are problem solvers. Okay. What do you think gets added to Daniel's deal that would make him stay at Renault? zeros to the left of the decimal point on his paycheck okay (laughs) we have we can prove that daniel can be bought i understand that 
But I mean, could he? Could they title sponsor his name? I mean, Daniel Ricardo, Daniel Ricardo Renault <laughs> F1 team. team. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, Daniel's pretty <laughs> humble. He would call it the Honey Badger team. It would. Um, but I mean, that that would be another Benny Honey Badger Racing. Honey Badger Racing, right there. Um, you know, more money would be another option. Would they turn around and, you know, offer him the car itself? I don't, I, I, I don't think that would sway him. Um, you know, some work-life balance concept. I mean, the question is, so he's not going to go back to, to Red Bull. Mm-mm. That, that won't happen. It would be a matter of who does Toto Wolf rate higher? Daniel Ricardo or Valtteri Bottas? Because mm-hmm. Valtteri's still on a one-year deal. Could maybe something happen over at Ferrari? And we'll talk a little more about Ferrari in a minute. But in terms of the options for Daniel, I mean, to move up, those are his only two teams. Mm-hmm. He'd have to find a spot at Mercedes or a spot at Ferrari. Unless and and and. At this point, I don't see a reason for them to make a change, but the only other potential option that I could see would be McLaren. And I don't think McLaren has... I mean, yes, we haven't had a single race happen this season, but Carlos and and Lando are good for that team. Well, yeah, but uh, McLaren's not fighting even for fourth yeah they are are they up fighting fourth and fifth that's part of the problem is mclaren as the customer team beat Renault. yeah um no i wonder this is this is this is my conspiracy theory okay so esteban picks up the other seat at Renault, Mm -hmm. being released as a mercedes driver so that he can actually have a spot on the grid where he belongs Mm mm-hmm and Renault, I think, is a great team for him. I do, too. And I think driving with Ricardo is going to be very good for him, too. And if you think about it, it is, since Renault has been back, it is the first time that Renault will have a French driver. Mm-hmm. And you really want to look at the combination. As much as we don't like Paul Ricard, you're going to have a French team with a French driver at, at the French, French Grand, Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, but... <clears throat> To make that deal happen. And yes, Renault is going to say that they want to keep Daniel. But do you think that there might be some backroom little deal with Toto of we want to pick up Esteban in our and you want to place mm. Esteban. We've got to do something to make Daniel happy. You pull him up and we'll pick up Valtteri and we'll do a swap on Valtteri. That's a possibility. I I mean, I'm I'm just kind of spitballing thoughts here, but, you know, they could wave in front of Daniel, you know, we'll keep you because we've got this deal cut with Toto for a year down the road or something like that. I'm I'm spitballing ideas. interesting switch. Hmm. Just spitballing ideas here. 
All right. You might want to keep that for your story. For my story, my predictions? Yeah, your big prediction. Oh? You might want to keep that. <laughs> now, the other question that has come up is what whether or not Renault's development is truly on track so far this year. And the reason for that, so this week, Renault had, just like a lot of the other teams, they had their launch event. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was, unlike every other launch event that the teams have had, where a car was actually brought out and physically present in the room so that the drivers, you know, could sit uncomfortably on the tires. Renault didn't have a car there. It's invisible? They had pictures of a car, not the full car, of like at angles that showed some they parts of it. They have six tires. No. Oh. They've done something that they don't want anybody to see until it's too late. Well, that's the question as to why you would do that. So in previous years where we've had teams that have been struggling with their design schedules and were not able to have the car ready for a launch like this, they've taken the previous year's car and put it in the current year livery and rolled that out. We've seen that happen. Multiple teams have done that. We've had teams show up to the track on in Melbourne in last year's car with this year's livery. Yeah, there was that too, but that was a whole different thing. <laughs> but it just seems really odd that you have your big 2020 launch event and your car is not there. Now, Renault insists that their development is on track and on schedule and everything is ready. But it's really odd that the car was not at the press event. It doesn't have GPS. It got lost. Don't know. They tried to ship it via DHL? Oh, well, no. See, if they tried to ship it via DHL, what would have happened there? It would have shown up. Late and thrown out of the back end of a van. Into a bush. <laughs> exactly. But it would have shown up. Late. Not, well, not necessarily. The van was still moving when it got chucked right. out. Right. <laughs> They may have just pushed it out of the back and into, the, into another car or something like that. But DHL will get it there. It's a matter of exactly where there is. <laughs> and the condition. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But it's odd. So Ferrari also had their event. And yeah, I looked at it. I'm like, it's a Ferrari. It, it, it looks just like maybe it's a touch shinier than last year. That was about the best that I could get looking at. Is maybe it's a touch shinier. The other thing, the only other difference that I saw is that um, the Mission Winnow branding on the driver suits, it's black instead of white now. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, well, I noticed that there is a distinct less white on the car, so it will obviously go slower. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's in my predictions, too. Now, one of the things that came up uh, at the launch, because there's been all the rumors, rumors swirling around about could Lewis Hamilton maybe possibly be going to Ferrari in 2021. 
No, but everyone is, is, is stuck on this prospect. So Really, we need to get racing going again so that people will stop making stuff up. So Mattia was asked about it at the launch. And his answer, quote, I want to reply on a different way. I think Seb is our first choice at the moment. And obviously it's something we are discussing with him and we will continue discussing. But he's certainly our first option, our preference at the moment. He said that recruiting Hamilton was not something that Ferrari is considering at the moment. Alrighty. Now, the other thing that he did say, and actually this is kind of huge, and it does show that they learned something from last year. They did not say that Vettel was their number one driver? Exactly. They said both drivers will go into the season on the same footing, on equal footing, and based on performance, they will make a determination if there is a need for somebody to be considered the number one driver. But they are not making that decision a month before the season starts. Oh my word, Ferrari can actually learn. Well, maybe. We'll see. Honestly, I think the real question is, is it what race do we hear this year the first excuses start to happen? Melbourne. Because they're coming. No, it's not always Melbourne. But they're coming. At some point, the team's going to implode again. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of when and when those excuses are going to kick in. So our last story. You've been like teasing this all day long. You know, full disclosure, I, guys. I don't know what our last story is because Michael won't share. Well, I knew that when this popped up, you were going to be beside yourself about this story. So you remember the infamous Rich Energy sponsorship deal um, with Haas? Yes. Rich Energy is back in motorsport again. Huh? They are now, they are the title sponsor for British superbike team OMG Racing in their first year. OMG. OMG Racing. It is a quote, long-term deal that was announced with the unveiling of a one-off livery at the MCN Carol Nash show in London on Friday. OMG team owner Alan Gardner admits his squad was aware of the hostaga, but claims that Richard Story and Rich Energy have been transparent in the two parties' dealings. Think about those names for one second. (sighs) You remember Richard Story, who supposedly was kicked out of the organization because of the Haas deal. Somehow, he's back involved again. Oh, my word. So, fantastically, OMG Racing put up a Q&A page to answer everybody's questions on this. Was one of their questions, why in the world? The top question the, at the top of the page why, and and I'm I'm reading word for word, so you don't you know that this is not me editorializing here. Why on earth have OMG Racing signed a deal with Rich Energy? Have they not looked at the internet? <laughs> <laughs> and the response, the response, Rich Energy have been a little eccentric in the past on social media, but at the same time, we've made a seriously loud noise since appearing on the scene, like OMG. 
They are loud and aren't afraid to look a bit daft at times by doing things differently like us. Together, we are all about pushing sport to the next level. So the next question, because you got to hear all of their questions. It will, will shed so much light on the situation here. But you can't even buy a bloody can. You can now. We're distributing it right here. Here's the link to pre-order, and as soon as we're ready to get moving, you'll be the first to know. Can you buy rich energy from OMG Racing? Yes, you can. In fact, they're so convinced that it's a good product, we'll have some free samples everywhere we race, so you'll be able to try some for yourself. What about the rumors that rich energy haven't paid teams athletes in the past? What's new here? Not only are OMG Racing fully funded for the 2020 season and beyond, we are also ensuring that Rich Energy's existing sponsorship agreements are fully paid. Didn't you fall out with Haas F1? Haas's statement, and they have a link to it, seems pretty amicable to us. I don't know. <laughs> I read that statement. It didn't sound amicable at all. It was just shy of, you freaking crooks. Yeah, basically. So then the next question, is he still involved? What's the deal? Because I knew you were wondering that. Where? Mm -hmm. So their answer, yes, he is. Given that William Story is the CEO of Rich Energy, which by the way, not what we heard. We heard he was thrown out. Yeah. Given that William Story is the CEO of Rich Energy, the enigmatic figurehead definitely gives us plenty of content. He's a big bike fan, and with a beard like that, we can't exactly disguise him. So yes, he'll be around. We were thinking a milk float for a paddock scooter. Mm -hmm. So where will I be able to see Rich Energy OMG racing in 2020? Rich Energy will be the title sponsor across all racing activities. So that's British Superbikes, Northwest 200, and the legendary Isle of Man TT. words i've got none i'm stunned or is it just the fact that every question that you had was answered right there well i wouldn't say answered addressed verbalized I'm, that too um I, I i really don't know what the hell they were thinking you know sometimes people there can't actually be money involved in this transaction. No, there can't be. There can't be. There's no money in the organization. No. No. Maybe, maybe Richard Story actually owns OMG. Maybe that's like Fat Boy Racing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I. I mean, clearly, this, become clearly like this is a bad penny. The story yeah. won't go away. Cle clearly, this is not the twenty-five million dollar deal that they supposedly signed. Well, that we they signed with Haas, but didn't actually fulfill. I thought that was thirty-eight million. Maybe it was thirty-eight. Multi-million. Tens of millions of dollars. There's no way tens of millions of dollars are involved here. No, no. British Superbikes. I'm betting that it probably. 20 30 grand yeah but which even that still seems see. like it. yeah I mean, it still their seems bank like account only has 700 dollars, 700 pounds in it so <laughs> yeah i don't know and remember they still owe white bikes yeah that they do 
That, yeah, and that's, that's, that's a question. That's a question I have. That wasn't in that list. That's the other thing that wasn't mentioned is that White Bikes still has a claim to several of their assets that I don't think were ever turned over, including some money because they failed to turn over all of the cans. Yeah. Well, they were empty. Right, but still, it had their logo on it. They mm-hmm. had to turn it over. <sighs> So I have a big question for you that's not in our FAQ. Okay. When will the prediction show be up or out? When are you writing the questions? What are you doing for the predictions? So I've started writing the questions, but we typically don't do the predictions until after the second test. I understand. I just was wondering if you were looking at the calendar yet to plan out when that was going to be. After the second (laughs) test. (laughs) I am excited for their prediction but show. before March 15th. Which is when the season starts. Right. So probably March 8th or March 1st. Okay. One of those two weeks. I may wait until March 8th. So people need to start marking their calendars for the super special prediction show. Yeah. Which we may or may not decide to post the questions. We didn't do it last year, but that was just because we had. We weren't on the air last year for this one. But we did do our predictions. Correct. We did. Um, Are we also going to create race themed food and snacks for the opening race of the season for eight hours of data and minutiae? Possibly, yes. Okay. And don't you also have an announcement because you spun something up again? I spun something up again? Fantasy GP. Oh! (sighs) (laughs) I I crossed my thing off my list. I forgot about it. Um, so the, you don't have the number or anything. So. I don't have the number, so you're just gonna have so to go searching for it. Next week, you're gonna have to go and provide all of that stuff and announce the fact that the Fantasy GP League will be returning yet again. Yet again. I think you can just join the same one that we were in before, but yeah. But if there's folks here who did not participate before, they need that info. Well, they should start participating <laughs> and then losing promptly because i like to win that's not going to convince people to join (laughs) oh well you can beat the boy (laughs) i would say that except you could not yeah it wasn't a good year (laughs) you did not have a good year and on that note we'll call it a show we are so glad you came bye 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 now bye 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 remember please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle thank you okay bye bye now bye 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 <laughs> okay are they all gone uh, is, is there is everybody gone <laughs> huh good Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.